Hi, everyone. I'm John C. Morley, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Hey guys, how are you? It is John C. Morley here, serial entrepreneur. Welcome to another fine episode of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show. I can't believe it, ladies and gentlemen. We are in, yes, uh, the first Friday of February. Well, happy February, everybody. Um, so great to have you here. And um, I do want to thank you, whether you're here now when we're live or any other time. Thank you so much. Let's get right into the master topic of uh, the show, and that is, ladies and gentlemen, a roller coaster ride through innovation and controversies. And we definitely have those here tonight. Uh, show through uh, series three means we're in the third year, and series for show number five, I should say, series three and show number five. Great to have you with us. And I have lots of guys. So if you haven't had a chance, definitely go check out BelieveMeAchieve.com after the show or scan that QR code. Lots of great things there. And ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know who I am, I'm John Seymour. I'm a serial entrepreneur and I'm a podcast host. Yes, I'm your podcast host and coach uh, helping businesses share their stories so they can scale and, of course, be more profitable. I typically do work with companies that bring in $10 million or more. And... Um, they either know the story or they want to find out their story, but they want to find it out from the truth. So let's get started, shall we? All right, everyone. So first thing I want to talk to you about is um, something Elon Musk has been working on for a while. Elon Musk is exploring Neuralink. Uh, this is a new a new company of his. And so what actually is Neuralink? Well, Neuralink uh, uses uh, basically BCI or brain computer interface. Um, and, um, they've implemented things like brain reading devices into a person for the first time now. And this happened, uh, right around the 29th of January. So, uh, brain, um, you know, computer interfaces are what he's working on. And, um, the aim is to allow a person with severe par paralysis to control a computer, robotic arm, wheelchair, or other device through just thought alone. Pretty cool. Uh, and apart from Neuralink, um, Others are underdeveloped, and some have already been tested in people. Uh, neurotechnology researchers are cautiously excited about um, Neuralink's uh, human trial, but they're concerned. Um, the thing with this is that it has a lot of potential, but there also could be some challenges. And so how is the chip different from other BCIs? Well, like the BlackRock uh, Neurotech in Salt Lake City, Utah, Neuralink targets the activity of individual neurons and an approach that requires electrodes that penetrate the brain and uh, other companies are developing electrodes that sit on the brain surface. So I think the whole idea of being able to have a technology that does not um, need you to basically break the skin, uh, I think that is a big, big uh, concern for a lot of people. And um, the scientists have a lot to learn from uh, Neuralink uh, human trials, which I'm sure they'll share that with us later. But, you know, there are concerns that uh, scientists have about it. You know, of course, things like uh, uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, et cetera. And they're concerned about transparency. You know, does this really work the way they say it does or is it just going to be a flop? Well, they're investing lots of money in this. And uh, Neuralink is fully uh, implementing uh, what they call something called wireless uh, technology for it. And it's the first for BCIs that record from individual neurons. And previous systems had to be physically connected to a computer through a port in the skull. And this can pose challenges like infections, uh, risks, and things like that, and, and limits to what you can do in the outside world. So 
Uh, the neural chip contains 64 flexible polymer threads, providing 1,024 sites for recording brain activity. Check that out. And this is according to uh, the company's study brochure, Neural Link. And so um, it's considered more than BlackRock's Neurotech, BCI, the only other single neuron uh, recording system to have been implemented long-term in humans. So Neuralink's device could increase the bandwidth of the brain-machine communication and not require to be tethered to it. So um, I think that's going to be pretty interesting, ladies and gentlemen. And, um, you know, the question you're probably having is, you know, will will Neuralink, you know, will, will Neuralink... Um, you know, catch on. And I think in these specific applications, I think it will. Um, you know, the company says its mission is to, and I quote unquote, create a generalized brain interface to restore autonomy to those with unmet medical needs, close quote. And the company says its device can, quote unquote, interpret neural activity so a person can operate a computer or smartphone by simply thinking, close quote. So you might be asking, what are the plans, uh, you know, the plans for, for, for Neuralink, Neuralink. And, and, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, are concerned about, you know, where they're going with this. Is, is it going to go somewhere? Is it not going to go somewhere? Um, in the near future, the idea is to enable high-speed typing as well as seamless use of a cursor. So Neuralink has also been working on uh, complementary spinal implants uh, for the purposes of restoring movement and sensation in paralyzed body is run by electrical thought, right? When we think of a thought, for example, and I think about moving my hand, it sends the message down through my neurons and dendrites and allows me to move my arm, my fingers, or what have you. So I think we're just going to have to see what Elon's got planned. So the question you might be asking is, how much, that's the question I know you're going to ask me, how much will uh, Neuralink uh, systems cost? And, um, well, the company estimates that each implant surgery will run, you ready, ladies and gentlemen, 10500 including exams, parts, and labor, and that it will charge insurers about 40 thousand <laughs> that's a big jump ladies and gentlemen Thirty thousand, uh you know thirty thousand five hundred different they're saying the annual revenue will be as high as 100 million within five years and Neuralink says its plans are to perform 11 surgeries in 2024 and 27 in 2025 and 79 in 2026. Um, the question is, are people ready for that cost? Well, as we said, that's what's going to cost. And they're going to charge insurance companies a lot of money. But that means that premiums are going to go up. And that means that people that have certain disabilities are then going to have um, a higher insurance, which is that really fair? I don't know. I don't think that's really fair to people just because they have a disability. They charge more money. And in other news, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Palo Alto Networks was ordered to pay a centri centripetal uh, $151.5 million in uh, patent um, dispute money. So uh, that's, a real, uh, that's a real challenge. So if the Palo Alto Network had uh, these challenges, they could issue software updates so its products no longer interfere with uh, centripetal's patients' Uh, photos, um, but they do need to pay them this money. And and the big concern, ladies and gentlemen, is, you know, why did this suddenly get discovered now? Like, why did it take so long for this to happen? Well, I think people didn't really realize what was happening. And um, again, they, they had to pay Centripetal Networks $151.5 after a jury found the security giant infringed on several patents. The decision came uh, this past Wednesday in federal courts in the Eastern District of Virginia and awarded Centripetal about $37.9 million for each of the four patents it found Palo Alto Networks had infringed upon. Um, that's just crazy if you ask me. But this never uh, comes to fail that if you do something wrong, you're going to pay the piper. I don't care how big or how small you are you're going to pay the piper. And um, 
you know, the question a lot of people say is, well, you know, they're so big, they're so this. No, anybody can be brought down to size. It's almost like karate, right? They said, I know what I learned this many years ago, you know, karate brings everybody down to size. It's kind of like a way to keep people equal when you know the skill. Um, and the thing is, you know, Palo Alto, as I said, networks, you know, loses the patent lawsuit and now having to pay the 151.5 million to the Virginia company centripetal networks. That is, I mean, absolutely crazy, but you know, you have to ask yourself, did Palo Alto really know what they were doing or, you know, did they just kind of, um, or, you know, did they just kind of fall into this? I think they had to know what was going on and that, um, it's nobody's fault, but Palo Alto, if they did something wrong, it's like they stole from a competitor. They did actually. But, um, as a result of this, um, you know, a Palo Alto's, uh, stock actually had dropped. Um, but the thing is, um, you know, it could take companies years to find out uh, after a lawsuit has been filed because they take a while by the time they prepare everything, right? And uh, the thing that's really interesting about this whole case, ladies and gentlemen, is it's rare for patent infringements to happen in this manner, okay? For lawsuits between technology companies to make it to trial, because usually they resolve it outside the trial. So uh, Palo Alto is probably being very stubborn. And most result of one company agreeing to pay another, licensing fees in order to avoid costly, time-consuming court battles. But that didn't happen in this case. They both were probably too pig-headed. Um, Palo Alto argued the patents were invalid, but also said that its own technologies work differently than the threat detection system created by Centripetal. A jury uh, impaneled in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia found the firm had directly infringed on the patents related to Centripetal's innovations. And a spokesperson from Palo Alto Network said, uh, quote, the company plans to appeal the verdict and described the outcome in a statement um, as being contrary to both law and the extensive evidence uh, presented at the trial. Palo Alto Networks declined to provide any additional comments to Information Security Media Group about trial outcomes and many other media companies. So, so Tripital um, alleged Palo Alto uh, Networks had knowledge of its claim over the patents based on interactions through various channels. Interesting. And so, quote, through these various channels, the company said in a court filing, though, though it engaged in willful infringement and egregious behavior, warranting enhanced damages. So Palo Alto knew what they were doing, right? And the question you might be asking yourself was, uh, was Palo, um, you know, was Palo Alto ever sued in the past and um the fact that this happened is just so crazy um because this happened back in 2021 and it just got resolved now so you know that that's that tells you how long something can take for it to actually you know have a decision uh, rendered on it um, the thing about this is that this lawsuit, it could change California math education is also something that has been, uh, another thing I wanted to share with you since we're talking about San Francisco, the court decision in Palo Alto found that its school districts, uh, were in violation of 2015's California math placement. But I just wanted to share that because we were talking about lawsuits and, um, a parent of the Palo Alto Unified School District students and a uh, lead plaintiff in the suit said that Palo Alto's math placement reflects a larger educational trend of addressing differences in math achievement by slowing progress for all students. So I think at the bottom line, everyone, it comes down to money. I mean, that's that's no surprise. Everything comes down to money. Um, but 
if people could be a little bit kinder, I think others would be more willing to part with the money that they're actually going to be, you know, needing to spend. So let's take another uh, another circle at something, and that is going to be Zuckerberg. Yes, faces lawmakers over social media concerns. Now, I actually watched this trial, and I found it deplorable. Um, Mr. Zuckerberger, who I was not always a fan of the way he started his company, but that's a whole story for another day. My big concern with uh, Mark is that, you know, his company did something wrong and many victims actually got hurt or they were killed and they're no longer with us. And when I saw him standing there and, you know, the, the people were asking, as they were asking questions like, you know, how does this even happen? And, you know, you're watching, talking about the different situations and they asked something very interesting. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, did you compensate these people for what they've gone through, those that have lost lives or have had damages? And he's like, no, I don't believe I have. Well, don't you think you should? And then he gets right off on the defensive track saying that his job is to create tools. Mark? You're very good at, uh, how can we say, obfuscating the truth, right? And obfuscating the story, right? Um, what that basically means, you know, is it's to obscure, to confuse, to blur, to muddle, or to jumble. And so... Mark had a lot of um, people that were watching him as the um, real intense pressure came from the lawmakers. And when they asked questions like, you know, Mark, um, so have you apologized to these people? Um, I don't believe I have. Well, they're right here. Why don't you apologize now? And his apology was not sincere in my eyes. He really didn't. He really didn't do what he was supposed to do. He should have got up there and said, um, uh, uh, "Good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen." Um, I will. I take this opportunity to. On behalf of myself and staff and entire company and all of our stakeholders to deeply apologize for um, what has happened to you. He didn't do that. He said that I'm sorry for what you went through. He did not really apologize. He actually showed compassion but not really empathy. He goes, I'm sorry for what you've gone through. And this is why at, at Meta, we're working very hard to continue to create tools that are going to protect and make sure this never happens again. Something interesting happened. When he was asked about the fact that he should be taking the responsibility, he says, well, you know, I think what really should happen is the app uh, stores like Google and Apple should be responsible. They already uh, verify certain information on the age. And then one of the lawmakers came back with a very interesting statement and saying, well, you know, um, some people are just so uh, inundated with technology that they don't understand it. And so now while their kids are getting so sucked into it, they can't do anything. That's pretty bad. And so he just blamed it on the, he didn't really blame it. He said, well, you know, our job is to create tools. And then he pushed it off on the stores, saying the Apple store and the Google store uh, should be interested, should be responsible for, you know, having them verify certain content. No, Mark, you should be responsible. If they're on your platform, I'll give you a perfect example. If somebody came to my website and let's say I was creating all kinds of um, content, okay? 
And the content is not of a G or a PG related nature. And I don't verify you to make sure you're over 18, make sure you're over 21, etc. I'm responsible, Mark, just like you're responsible. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Mark is responsible. Mark is responsible for all those deaths with Meta. His apology was very um, shallow. You have to realize for people like Mark, he probably never apologizes. And his apology was not an apology from his company. I quote, he says, I'm sorry for everything you've all gone through. He was saying, I'm sorry for what you've gone through. It's crazy. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that it was the you know lawmakers there that got him to curtail it, or he wouldn't even have bloody partially apologized. I mean, saying, I'm sorry for everything you've gone through is great. That's like me just having compassion for you. Empathy is like, hey, uh, um, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm sorry for what you've gone through and everything that my company um, inadvertently caused you. I understand that, you know, um, it's hard to be around your kids all the time. And I know that being around social media, always trust everything's going to be okay. But unfortunately, it's not. And I think in this instance, ladies and gentlemen, I failed you. And I know that I've got to work much harder to build tools that are going to keep the family safe. And not harmed. And so we don't have any more tragedies like what happened. He's not going to do that. He's just not going to do that. In fact, many of them in the chamber were holding up signs of their deceased children. The crowd was the largest. Um, Basically, that's a Senator Dixon a Durbin um, had ever um, seen during a hearing. And Zuckerberger, whose social media empire includes Instagram and Facebook, was one of the multiple tech CEOs grilled at the hearing titled Big Tech and the Online Child Sexual Exploitation Crisis. The session was prompted by parents. Uh, concerns from the social media platforms playing an integral role in their children's harassment, sexual exploitation, deadly drug sales, suicide, or other suffering events. And you could literally, from the picture, not just the ones they're holding up, but you could see that these parents had such a stern look on their face. Like, what the heck are you doing? Like, what did you do? I think, um, like they said, despite, you know, what happened, it, it's a challenge. And I believe that there needs to be some type of um, checks and balance system. Right? Um, and they made a very interesting statement that I want to share with you. You have a product that's killing people. Let me say that again. You have a product that is killing people. This is what Senator Lindsey Graham said. Republican of South Carolina at the hearing, trying to communicate to Zuckerberg 
And he says, quote, I know you don't mean it to be so, but you but on but, but, but you have blood on your hands. I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. There were other CEOs in attendance, I'm sure you know. Uh, those of the TikTok, Discord, X, formerly the Twitter, Snap. And the committee had to issue subpoenas to secure their attendance. That's pretty bad, guys, that they had to issue subpoenas. I bet you Mark wouldn't even showed up. And there are many proposed bills in the Senate focusing on children's protection online. Among them is the Kids Online Safety Act, which SNAP CEO Evan Spiegel said that he supported ahead of the hearing. The proposed legislation seeks to protect minors' private information on online platforms. Disable addictive features and opt underage users out of algorithmic content recommendations. Zuckerberger was generally agreeable at the hearing, but he did push back when Senator Marsha Blackburn, a uh, Republican Tennessee um, senator, said, quote, it appears that Meta's platforms are trying to be the premier sex trafficking site in this country. He responded, Senator, that's ridiculous. He, you know, and so Zuckerberger also said that he supports age verification systems on his platform, but believes it's something that app stores should be handling and that they should be responsible for it. So here's my thought on this, right? If we know it's a problem, just like I don't want to compare it to technology, but I will for a moment. Let's take surges and spikes, and I won't get too deep in this, but if you know that you've got expensive equipment at your home or your office, you put in surge protectors, surge arrestors, right? But then you also may put another protector at your home to, to catch it, right? Even with antiviruses, right? We have uh, endpoint management protection, and then we have protection at the gateway level. So it starts at the gateway, and then it can also protect at the desktop. And now there's cloud level, so there can be three levels. So in this case, I'd have to say, hey, guys, it doesn't matter how many of you are protecting. You all should be protecting. It's everyone's responsibility. At the end of the day, we know it's all about profits. We do know that. But the question, ladies and gentlemen, is how is this going to work? Right? The big tech and online sexual exploitation crisis is a big, big problem. And, um, you know, the Kids Online Safety Act, I think, is a great concept. But there is some concern about it. You know why? They're afraid that if they do something like this, they might lose advertiser support. See, shame on you. Shame on you. So the bill uh, basically would require online services like social media networks, video game sites, and messaging apps to take reasonable measures to prevent harm, including online bullying, harassment, sexual exploitation, um, anorexia, self-harm, predatory marketing to minors who use the platform. It also ensures in the in the plan that um, parents and policymakers know whether online platforms are taking meaningful steps to address risks to kids by requiring independent audits and supporting public scrutiny from experts and academic researchers. I think that is great. I mean, hands down, everyone. I think that is an amazing thing. But the question is, um, you know, the bill was backed by dozens of people, a bipartisan uh, bill, uh, to shield children from the things I mentioned to you before, right? Members of Congress introduced a number of different bills intended to boost protections for children. One is the Kids Online Safety Act, which I just mentioned to you, um, but still hasn't fully passed yet. 
Um, there's also the American Civil Liberties Union and the Electronic Frontier Foundation uh, that they're looking at. But the thing is this, ladies and gentlemen, when things are going to cut into Mark's revenue, the company's revenue, we know they're not going to be cooperative, right? So the question is, what will the court make Meta do in this case? What will they make them do? I think this is not the first time that Facebook's been caught with their pants down. I mean, uh, a figure of speech, but I really think that they are just acting in a manner that brings in money. So you, you might be saying, hey, does 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 it really matter? Um, and, and I'd have to tell you that um, it, it, it really does matter. Uh, the reason that it matters, ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you, is because it it's about who you are. And it's about what we're doing in our world. See, that's what it's about. And I think a lot of these uh, social media companies are concerned um, with things that are going on. Um, you know, and there were a lot of notable things said. Uh, Zuckerberg turns to face. Looks like we had a little bit of audio trouble there and video trouble, but we're back. Uh, Streamer, I think, had kind of dropped the, the lag there. Uh, but anyway, I hope that not just Mark wakes up to this, but I hope that other people wake up to this concept, right? And I think it's going to take more parents to get behind it. Um, the new Kids Online Safety Act, or COSA, K-O-S-A, will require all online services like social media networks, video game sites, and messaging apps to take, as I said, reasonable measures to prevent harm. And so it would also require the services to turn on the highest privacy and safety settings by default for users under 18. And it would allow young people to limit or opt out of features like personalized news feeds, smartphone notifications, and auto-playing videos that result in compulsive use of apps. My question to you is, um, where is it going? And is this going to, are they going to make a decision on this anytime soon? Or are we just talking about something that's just going to be kicked around? I think right now we have to wait and see, but I know this is going to be a very hot topic, very similar to the hot topic of New York Times suing chat GPT. This, ladies and gentlemen, this whole case um, that is coming before uh, you know, the senators, it's going to set the stage for how online um, media is able to communicate with children and set the stage for how it can potentially uh, protect other people that might be bullied, harassed, etc., uh, as well as other people that might use it in an inappropriate manner when other people are basically totally against it kind of like stalking electronic stalking i'll call it so this is big this is very very big but what's you know taking lives ladies and gentlemen is something very very serious but i gotta tell you something another situation where lives were being taken is general motors robo tax incident dragging a pedestrian over 17 feet now you might say to me hey john you know um What's the difference? Well, the the Facebook issue had lots of people that were harmed and, and killed. This uh, safe driving thing with the car, right? And the General Motors robo-taxi incident dragging a pedestrian over 17 feet. That's pretty big, ladies and gentlemen, over 17 feet. Um in an October accident that made a number of technical errors. 
and wasn't able to understand the collision, to know who was the live person, when to stop. And uh, they had some issues. But when we think about this whole thing, you might say, well, gee, you know, it's not that bad. Sure, the Facebook thing is worse. I get it. But no loss of life is ever good. I think the big question comes down to the fact that, especially with technology, when if it's technology and somebody gets hurt or killed, um, we have a big problem with that. We have a big problem with humans, but we're not able to accept the fact that technology caused the loss of a life. It could be something as simple as a safety uh, device malfunctioning. But what's happening with Facebook is not a technology issue direct. It's a, it's um, it's really a procedure, the way they're doing things. And because Facebook and Meta are not All right, guys. So it looks like uh, StreamYard's been having lots of technical problems here today. Uh, apologize about that. Um, they are definitely having lots and lots of lots and lots of issues. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's just been. Sometimes I think you know when you're talking about certain technologies, I think they can sometimes cause a problem. Um, so I know that can definitely be. It it, it can be an issue. Um, but, uh,
All right, guys, lots of technical challenges here today. Um, StreamYard usually never gives us any challenges. But as, as I was talking about, and it's funny, you know, when you talk about your truth, I, I almost believe that sometimes uh, some technology out there is listening. And when you're trying to share things, like I was just trying to explain to you about the exploitation and things that were happening, and also the General Motors thing. So the whole thing with the robo-taxi thing is that we can't accept the fact when technology you know, kills a life. That's something we can't accept. We don't accept when somebody takes a life, but when technology does it, we really have a hard time. And so what I want to say to you is that technology is great, but it's the people that make it work, right? So the thing with like Zuckerberger, the thing that's a little different with him and the social media channels with Elon Musk and, and uh, Snapchat and et cetera, and, 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 and Mark's uh, Instagram, I think it comes down to the fact that they know they're wrong. And they're not willing to take accountability for their actions. No one's perfect in this world. Okay, let's face it. But the fact that they hadn't even tried to compensate them, they never tried to give any kind of like counseling services. That's low. Very bad. Very, very bad. All right. Our last topic for tonight, and I know it's been a little challenging with coming in at a couple times, but like I said, unfortunately, uh, that does happen with StreamYard. I think we've had that happen maybe like once a year, so it is very, very rare uh, that that happens, but it can happen. It is rare. What I want to say to you is that thousands of gaming developers were fired. I mean, they were fired. And you might be saying, well, John, you know, that that pretty much doesn't make a big deal. But, yeah, it does make a big deal because, you see, the thing is they were asking people to relocate all over the country to more expensive uh, areas with cost of livings. And then after they were there for a few weeks, they required them to come to the office. Now, if they didn't move, they would be fired on the spot. So now they relocate cost of moving and who knows whether they covered it or not. And then they come into the office and immediately they're given a pink slip. And they say, we're cutting back. That's horrible, guys. Why do you think so many game developers are getting fired? Why? Uh, if I had to guess, I have to say they can't afford to pay them. That's number one. That That's a big reason. Um, but I think it's more than that. I think it's the fact that they're using AI generative technology to actually replace them. I think that's terrible. Um, you guys know one of the companies I own is a media company. And now they have services. People will charge you a flat fee a month to do all your graphic design. That's terrible because it's not human beings doing the graphic design. It's bots that are creating designs. So you really don't have a unique design. I don't know. I feel that where we're at right now with technology, with artificial intelligence, is like we're here. And up here is like the top level, very high up. And every time we get close, if you ever notice the government researches the funding for them or other projects, they get shut down on a dime. It's almost like they don't want us to figure that out. But I want to share something um, pretty important with you guys before I, I end. And, and that is the fact that how many of you travel uh, through the airport? Okay. So there are lots of companies out there like there was Rapid Scan, which I think they lost the contract in a lot of airports. So I have been doing manual pat downs for years when I go through the airports. I'm talking about when we got away from, you know, just the standard like courtroom, like uh, metal detector you'd walk through. When we got into the thing where you had to stand to your hands, I said, I won't do that. 
couple of reasons. One, there was the privacy issue, right? So they could obviously x-ray, see right through your clothing. But it was more than that. It was a privacy issue, but it was also an issue of health. And I just believe that there was more to it than just the privacy. As everybody says, oh, it's no big deal, no big deal. Then they rolled out a new technology by Rogan Schwager, I believe, as they were in Germany. And now they have offices in the United States. And they have a wall. And you stand in front of the wall. And this wall has like 72 mini guns uh, shooting one uh, MW at you. And you probably say, well, gee, that's not a lot. So I had talked to um, the people at Rapid Scan a while back and learned that Rapid Scan actually uh, lost their contract, but there are health issues with using um, the technology, even after we got rid of Backscatter and we got to the other technology for scanning. The big issue that I found out, and I did more research, and I found out there was a, a study conducted in Mexico. Thousands of people went through these devices that use the M-Wave technology, the latest one. And they found something very interesting. Many of the passengers, double DNA, double-stranded DNA, started to unzip or separate. Thus, it was killing cells on contact. That's not good, guys. Not good. And our government's not sharing that with us. I have to believe that they don't know and that it's just they're letting it out because they really don't know. Because I don't think they'd want people to be using the technology. They don't even give badges to the people working at TSA at the airport. That's really horrendous. So my advice for you is that when you see technology like this, you have a right to opt out. You're a male, you can do a male opt out. If you're a female, you can do a female opt out. If you're uh, whatever you want to call yourself, uh, whether it's a binary, uh, all different types of terms, uh, transgender, I'm opting out. Um, Although they can get a little confusing with the um, with the uh, with the scan because they want to give you somebody that is either male or female, and it has to break down to that. So then the question might not be what are you, but what parts do you have? I mean, that th- that gets kind of like personal, and that's really what male and female mean, but. These people might have some parts, but not other parts uh, that could be because of surgery or election or whatever. And so I think they can get really personal and sticky. And I think it can get people very uncomfortable just because of how it poses the question. We know that from years, if you hit the wrong button, if let's say uh, uh, the person going through is a female and you hit the, um, you know, a male goes through, you hit the female button, it's going to course cause um personal areas to cause issues in uh the scan but you know is the technology we have really protecting us or is it just a, a contract for these big companies to make money and i have to say it's 80 percent or 90 percent for these people to make money the main primary priority for them is not security i'm sorry I, i've got to be straightforward and honest with you there's a company called Ademia, and there's a company called Clear, and they're fighting right now over who has the better technology because Clear, as we know a few years ago, got in trouble because they let somebody get on the airplane that wasn't even that identity for somebody who fished it out of a waste paper basket. Hey, guys, you know who I am by now. I'm John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. I apologize for some of the uh, little glyphs we had today. Unfortunately, uh, StreamYard does glyph, but it's very rare. It was like uh, we get like one or two a year. So I think this is the first one we had. Uh, Hopefully we don't have any more this year in 2024. But again, it wasn't even that our internet went out. It was that StreamYard basically just lost the feed, which is uh, really, really crazy. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed um, this episode of the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. And it truly is, ladies and gentlemen, a roller coaster ride through innovation and controversy because the controversies need to be pushed in a polite way so we can get answers. And Mark, I got to tell you, telling the people and the parents that it's Apple's job in their store and it's Google's job, that doesn't cut it with me. And ever since I've known you, from the time you have uh, you know, made that movie to the, your company, you don't impress me. If anything, 
you seem to be a guy that likes to pass the buck. And then when you're questioned, you suddenly become like you don't know what you're like, what's going on. And you play, you know, this innocent person that I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. The only company I know, Facebook Meta, that they fired people or so-called because they were whistleblowers. So I ask you, Mark, and I ask you the rest of this, these companies, are you really committed to our safety, to kids' safety, and to what happens online? And are you prepared to use your platform to block technology that could exploit, cause harm, either physically, mentally, emotionally, online? That's the question I want to ask you. I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your evening. You know when I'm going to be back? I'll be back next week. And that'll be the second Friday of uh, February, February 9th. Have yourself an amazing rest of your uh, weekend. And check out all my other great content at BelieveMeAchieve.com or just scan the QR code and I'll see you real soon. All right. Be well, everyone.